Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. How many of you know the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed? And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So we're going to look at some of Christ concealed in the Old Testament today. I want to bring a word to you today, an Easter message called Backed into a Corner. Exodus 14, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Harhi-Roth, between Migdol and the sea. Opposite Baals of Phon, you shall camp before it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land, the wilderness has closed them in. Down to verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 13. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to move forward. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for its power. We thank you, Father, that as you speak into our hearts today, Lord, that the spirit of the living God, Lord, would bring something to roost, something home, something that's powerful, something that's certain, something that's revealed into our spirit. Make it alive, Lord, as you breathe Holy Spirit upon the word of God. So we ask even now, Lord God, that you would just cause us to be able to be receptive, to be open, and to receive something from the throne of heaven today, we ask in Jesus' name. So here we have a predicament. We have a nation who has been enslaved for 400 years. The more recent generations, they only know one way of living, and that is to be under the rulership of Pharaoh, where they no longer have the freedom to make their own decisions, They no longer have the freedom to sort out their schedule. Their schedule, their decisions, their whole life is all sorted out for them by King Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And so they literally have become bond slaves, bond men and women to this king called Pharaoh because another Pharaoh rose up after Joseph, who was the prime minister of Egypt, who had great favour with the children of Israel and with the current Pharaoh, but that day's long gone. And one generation after another, all they know is being enslaved. They don't even know what the meaning of freedom is. They have no concept of freedom. And then over here, they have a man who used to be raised in Egypt, a young prince, long ago called Moses. And Moses has an affinity with his people. 
he realizes although he was raised in the halls and the corridors of power in Egypt, he understands that his own flesh and blood is that he's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Amen. And he can't deny his heritage. So one day he tries to take the law into his own hands and he ends up killing a man. And then he ends up running into the desert and he becomes a farmer. Isn't that a bit of a contrast from a prince to a farmer? And then he comes back 40 years later and he has an encounter with the living God at the burning bush. And God dramatically changes his life and convinces him to be the mouthpiece to talk to Pharaoh about letting God's people go out of the slavery that they've been in, that have that has accompanied their lives for 400 years. And so God begins to give Moses instruction. And so over here we have them he says I want you when you exit Egypt I want you to park yourselves where the pulpit is and I want you to park yourself between a place called Migdol and the Red Sea over here. And then he said, I want you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You see, friends, this morning, it's interesting to know, isn't it? That when a man or a woman has a vision from God, everything changes. When you and I get something from the living God, when something, God speaks something into your life, your world can never remain the same again. When the Word becomes flesh in you, when the Word becomes flesh in me, all of a sudden God opens our eyes, spiritual eyes, and we can see possibilities that we never used to be see before. Without a vision, God's people perish. Another translation says that we live carelessly or we dwell carelessly without having a vision from God. And God's given Moses a vision. Moses is a man on a, vision, on a, on a mission. Moses is a man with a message of hope and inspiration. He's preaching a message of freedom, even though they don't even understand what freedom is, because they've never been free. There was another man who was sent by God, who had a vision. He also had a vision of freedom. He also had a vision to set not just a nation free, but he whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. His name was Jesus Christ. You know, Moses said, I'm going to bring you out of bondage. Jesus said, I'm going to bring you out of bondage and I'm going to give you eternal life. Amen. Moses said, you've been in chains and you've been in bondage for 400 years, but Jesus said, I'm going to set you free and I'm going to give you a gift called the gift of eternal life. Hallelujah. Moses said, I'm going to give you a promised land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Jesus said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. You see, friends, all the way through the Old Testament, we see Christ being foreshadowed. And we see through the life of Moses that, in fact, what we're really seeing is the concealment of Jesus Christ being revealed through the life of of the deliverer Moses, that just as Moses was a deliverer, Christ also was a mighty deliverer. And so Moses gets a vision. He starts walking in a new level of spiritual authority, and that's what a vision will do for you. When you receive something from God, not only do you have something to look forward to, but you have a new dimension of spiritual authority that will clothe and mantle your life, that will make you different, that will cause you to live different, that when you speak the name of Jesus, the invisible forces of darkness are listening. And not only are they listening, they're obeying in the name of the Lord. 
So what joy the people of God began to feel. And the, you know, the Bible says this is an amazing thing. Can a nation be one to God in a day? And one day, the children of Israel plundered the economy of the richest nation in the world. Did you know that? In the exit out of Egypt, God gave the gold, the silver, and the precious jewels to the children of Israel. And in one day, He plundered an economy and He set them up for their future. The problem is, friends, is that God often moves in your life and my life. And sometimes we forget the true meaning of the purpose of our freedom. I know at times in my walk with God over the last 35 years that I've at times lost sight of the reason why God set me free. He didn't set me free from me to indulge in my own pleasures and to indulge and use my freedom as a liberty to choose to live life the way I want to live it. No, no, no. Jesus set me free for the purpose of being able to showcase to the rest of the world that they too can be set free. Amen. You know, this is why the Bible says, stand fast in the liberty that you have received. Don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He's saying, I don't want you to use your freedom that I've given to you as, as a liberty to live an excessive life where you can just focus on yourself. No, no, no. I want you to use your liberty to set other captives free that need to know the freedom of Jesus Christ. So you can imagine the shock and the horror when suddenly as they're leaving, God speaks to Pharaoh and he says, by the way, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Did you hear that? God is going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So up until that point, they thought they had a free ticket right out of Egypt and they're just going to stroll into the promised land. But all of a sudden, as they're heading out of Egypt, they're seeing the dust of chariot wheels and soldiers that are pursuing them. Because Pharaoh said, I'm not going to let them go. As his heart was hardened, the chase began to be on. And they found themselves once again as fugitives with the potential of being enslaved again back in their old 400-year-old lifestyle. Wow. And then God says, I want you to park yourselves right here. How many of you have ever been in a place where God has said something to you that seems quite contradictory to your circumstances? And you're saying to yourself, God, I don't understand this. You know, if I was God, I would be doing this. And praise God, you're not God today. Can you say amen to that? And all the people that know you and love you said amen to that too. As we begin to understand that often in the, in the shrouding and the mystery of some of the decisions that God places in front of us, He actually has a master plan. He has something in mind as He had something in mind for those people right now. And it was for them, it was almost like, here they are between Migdol, between the Red Sea, and here come the chariots. They're actually in a cul-de-sac. There's no exit, there's no way of escape. And they're thinking, God, you've just made the biggest mistake of your life. Well, I've got news for you today. Friends, God doesn't make mistakes. If anything has happened in your life recently that is not particularly nice or comfortable, can I just say this? 
that God is a sovereign God and something He has allowed past the throne, there is a plan in the midst of your trials and your tribulations in which God wants to show Himself off and reveal Himself in a new way into your situation. You're not down and out for the count. You're not down and out for the count. That's what resurrection power is all about. Resurrection power is all about when something looks dead and buried, it's going to come back to life with the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. Amen. Oh, we've got to remind ourselves about that regularly, my friends, today. And I wondered how Jesus felt as He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. I wonder if Jesus felt like He was being backed into a corner. We know that He knew His destiny, but we know also that He was struggling as the Son of Man with feelings of His own infirmity, with His own, with his own flesh that He carried around about Him. We, we see Him crying out to the Father and saying, saying this, if you can take this cup from me, what cup? The cup of suffering. Would you take it from me? And we know that Jesus Himself was somehow feeling like He was being backed into a dead end, being backed into a corner. Friends, if you're being backed into a corner today, I've got news for you. There's no corner in this world that can contain the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. That stone that covered the entrance to that tomb, that cannot contain the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. The stone was rolled away and Jesus came out of that tomb. And whatever dead end you're facing today, I want to tell you, the Christ, the Son of the living God, He has got hope. He's got power. He's got fresh news reels for you today in Jesus' mighty name. You know, let this cup pass from me, this cup of suffering. What can be more of a dead-end street than death itself? Can I just highlight on behalf of my global heart for the nations of the world that I've met many leaders around the world, leaders who have been tortured. Just recently on my last trip to India, I met with a man and I can't reveal his name because he told this story to me in confidentiality, who was captured and held captive for five days and was demanded by his captors to dig his own grave. What was his crime? His crime that he, was that he went into the neighbourhood and started telling people about Jesus. Sometimes we feel backed into a corner, friends. I wonder what he felt like as he had that shovel and he was digging his own grave, knowing that if he didn't get out of that place, he was going to die. Sometimes our problems really are quite petty and light in, in, in the significance of what's happening around the world. And I hail the martyrs that have gone before us, but I also have a great respect for many thousands of Christian leaders all around the world who daily put their lives at risk for the sake of the gospel. Can you say an amen to that today? So Jesus knew there was intolerable suffering in front of him. He felt the spiritual darkness that was hovering over him. And you know, all the way through the Old Testament, particularly in the Psalms, we have what was, is called the Messianic Psalms. Do you know what they are? They are songs that were written that were prophetic to describe what was going to happen in the life of Jesus Christ the Messiah when He eventually was revealed to earth. Psalm 22 says this, and this is describing the atmosphere that surrounded Christ as He was hanging on the cross. Listen to this, friends. Many bulls have surrounded me, speaking of evil spirit powers. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. 
I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. Do you want to know what Jesus Christ was facing on that cross? It was a little bit more than a dead end street, friends. He was facing the prospect of death itself. And not only that, but the weight of the spiritual atmosphere that was dark, that was filled with death and strong demonic powers that surrounded him, the bulls of Bashan, cloaking him with a spiritual heaviness. Have you ever felt a spiritual heaviness before? I had an experience in my early Christian life where, I, where a satanic coven uh, cast a, a spell on where I was living. And boy, you want to know what it feels like to be under the the power of hundreds of spirits of darkness around about your home. I can only just imagine what Christ was, must have been feeling as those spiritual bulls surrounded him on the cross. They gaped at him with their mouths like a raging and a roaring lion. So friends, no doubt about it, Christ himself felt backed into a corner just like the children of Israel. But I praise God today. Like Mary of old at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, who had the initiative in her own spirit as she watched her own son that she nurtured for 30 years. And she was able to say to the servants that day, I was at a great wedding last night. How many of you were at the wedding last night? Did you have a great time? Boy, you should have seen Maduri, the Indian girl. She was doing the old Polynesian waggle. Up there, she was part of the bridal party and they had, a, they had a dance. It was amazing. We had about seven or eight cultural dances. It was just a fantastic, festive atmosphere. But as we get back to the story today, we've got to understand this. Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Do you know that often we end up wallowing in our own problems because we won't do what he's telling us to do? And sometimes we moan and we complain before the throne room in prayer and we disguise it as spiritual religiosity and all Jesus is asking you to do is to simply obey him. Whatever he tells you to do, won't you do it? And on the doing of it, you'll be released into spiritual freedom because obedience brings a blessing with it. Can you say amen to that? And so we find ourselves in the story that Migdol, you know what Migdol means? Migdol means tower. And so he's parked the children of Israel between a tower and the Red Sea. And in front of them, all they have is the chariots of Egypt coming towards them. And there's, a, there's just a cloud that they can't see anything. So they're feeling, they're feeling claustrophobic. They're feeling closed in. I want you to get a feeling of it in your spirit today. What they didn't realize that day is that they were exactly where God wanted them to be. Our God is a strategic God. Our God, His ways are past finding out. As far as the heavens are above the earth, my Bible tells me God's ways are far above our ways. That our ways are not His ways. Amen? 
And the sooner we grab a hold of that in our spirit, we begin to understand that even in the midst of contrary circumstances, God is doing a new thing within your life today. And I thank God for that in the name of Jesus. But you see, what's a tower? A tower was a, it was a, they were, they used to put guards or sentries or watchmen in the tower. So here in Migdol, we have this whole thing where there's, there's the tower where the watchmen would go. But did you know what else would happen in those days? Those towers were not just watchtowers, they were armories where they would stockpile weapons inside the tower. But to get the weapons, they had to get inside the tower so that it became a tower of power with firepower in it. Can you say amen to that? What does the Bible say about towers? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Are you beginning to get it today, friends? I want to tell you today that when Jesus Christ rose out of that grave, He gave you access to a tower of power. He gave you access to new fire power. He gave you access to His name, that in His name you shall cast out demons. In His name you shall lay hands upon the sick. In His name you shall see sicknesses flee. Amen, church, this morning. But you've got to climb inside the tower to be able to access the power. Come on. I won't be bringing out my rapping album soon. (laughs) Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. Psalm 61 verse 3, you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I want to tell you today, God had an unbelievable plan in Christ. That everything we needed was going to take place at that cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus' death, His burial and His resurrection, You and I have been given access to the firepower of heaven itself through the Son of God. You don't need to feel backed into a corner anymore because inside that tower, there are new weapons that God has graced and given to you that are going to unlock your life and those that you love around about you. If any two of you shall agree upon anything in my my name, In my name, it shall be granted to you. John 14 says, you can ask anything in my name, it shall be given to you. Are you beginning to get a feeling this morning that what Christ did on that cross, when He came out of that tomb, friends, He has has granted to you access and inheritance rights to be able to utilise all that He has won on your behalf. All that He has is yours. The prodigal son, the older brother who was moaning and complaining about the younger son being given all the fatted calf. You never killed the fatted calf for me. You never put sandals on my feet. You never gave me the family signet ring. And he's saying, son, what do you mean? You've been with me all this time. All that I have is yours. But you never accessed it. Are you accessing? Are you accessing what Christ has given to you in that empty tomb? Death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. Friends, death is the final frontier for most of us. And if death has lost its sting, you've got nothing to worry about today. Because if God is for you, then who can be against you this morning? 
in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, the children of Israel, they sure had their enemies. I can't imagine what it would be like to be raised as a slave. To not even know what freedom how can you define freedom when you've only known slavery within your life? You don't even know what it is because your daddy was a slave, your mummy was a slave, your granddaddy was a slave. You don't even have any concept of freedom. But I want to tell you, friends, just as they were enslaved, you and I have been enslaved too. It's called the old Adamic nature. The Bible says that in Adam we inherited down to the flesh that you're walking in today. And we have our own difficulties and challenges. The challenges that we face in our own lives, we have challenges of lust. We have challenges of pornography. We have challenges of jealousies and envies. We have challenges of unforgiveness within our lives. We hold all those challenges. And what I'm telling you today, friends, is that through that fire power tower that has been won for you on behalf of what Jesus did for you, you can break the power of your sinful flesh and it no longer has to have dominion or rule over you today. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen? Amen. So today is a day of embracing the freedom that Jesus has for you. Don't be religious. Religion kills. Religion brings death. Resurrection brings life. Resurrection brings freedom. Don't just come to church and go through the motions. Don't just say that you're a Christian and never find there's any difference between you and your neighbour that lives down the road. Who, who are bold-faced saying they're not a Christian and you're a Christian. Friends, I want to tell you, when you have Jesus walking, working on your behalf, when Jesus is working in your life, there is a difference between you and your neighbour. Not a difference of superiority, but a difference in love, a difference in power, a difference in the ability to forgive, a difference in the ability to trust God in difficult financial circumstances. You have the upper hand in Christ Jesus today. And I know, I know naturally some of the circumstances that you who are sitting here today, some of the circumstances that you are facing, they are not easy situations. And I'm not downplaying the difficulties that you face today. Because from one person to the next, we all have different levels of the ability to cope with hardship. Can you say amen to that? You know, I'd like to think if my fingernails being pulled off by somebody who's trying to get me to stop confessing the name of Jesus, that I'd have the ability to, to never stop. But none of us know until we're in that circumstance and we're in that situation. I'm not in your shoes and you're not in my shoes. Your shoes are different to mine. Your circumstances are different to mine. But the truth is today... That God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is a God who changes not. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you and for me today. I love how Ephesians puts it. It says, Ephesians 2 verse 4, But God, don't you love the buts of God? Don't you love when God says, but there's a but in your situation. Everything might be going the wrong way. Everything might be going in the wrong direction in your life. And then God says, but I'm here. But I'm here today. It says, but God who is rich in mercy 
because of His great love, which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He's made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And He's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come. Do you realise that this life isn't it? I want to remind you that this life is not it. This is a dress rehearsal for the real thing. Come on. Right now, you're just in the dress rehearsal. How's your rehearsal going? Did you forget your lines? (laughs) We've got to remind ourselves about that. We get so hooked up in this temporal world at times that we forget this is but just the foretaste of what is to come. Amen. The Bible talks about the incredible spiritual riches that will be unveiled in the ages to come. And this verse says that in the ages to come, He might show you the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. There are exceeding riches, not just riches, but exceeding riches in the life to come. Take a look in the book of Revelation. Take a look at the wonder and the splendour. Read accounts of people who have been to heaven and discover the the amazing technicolour world. They say that the colours of heaven are beyond description. They're so vibrant, they're so bright. Friends, we've got another age to come yet. This isn't it. This is the foretaster. This is the entree. The main course is coming, praise God. Amen. So God made us alive together in Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, we rose together with Him. And now we have a strong tower. When you are in Christ, you are the righteous. You can run into that tower. And many times, like a little scaredy cat kid, I've run into that tower and I've said, Jesus, help me. (laughs) I need your help. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, but you do. And I'm coming into that tower, that strong tower, and the righteous are going to be safe when they run into that tower. Have you been running to the tower lately? Have you run inside the tower? Or is Jesus just a religious word to you? Have you discovered the power of the name of Jesus just lately and what that can do in your life today? We're coming to a close shortly. You know, the Bible says those, these signs will follow them who believe. Did you notice the qualifier? Believe. Believe. Why does the devil want to attack your faith levels? Why does the devil want you to have stale faith and your testimony happened when something happened to you 25 years ago and you're still telling the same old testimony? Of what God did in your life 25 years ago. What about yesterday? What about last week? What about last month? Come on. Jesus is not some wooden concrete statue. He's alive. He's real. And He wants to be real in your life. He wants to be real in my life. Amen. And He says, these signs will follow those who believe in my name. There we go again. The name of Jesus that Christ has given us access to through His resurrection. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover today. That is your inheritance. That is what Christ has given 
to you today. What will the devil do? He will try and convince you otherwise. He will lie to you. He's the master of deception. You see, he has no truth in him, Jesus said. He's the liar and the father of all lies. Hello, church. How is the devil going to come against your life? The primary weapon he has against you is lies and deception. He came to Adam and Eve and he said, did God really say? Friends, I want to tell you, he's a liar. He's a thief and he's come to steal, kill and destroy. Stand on the Word of God. This is what God said. Amen. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? Amen. Amen, church. Stand on the Word of God. Allow the Word of God to be your food day and night. And don't let the devil tell you otherwise. He will lie to you to your face. And if you believe his lies, I want to tell you what. You're going to take a bend and a corner for the worse. That's why the Bible says it's a straight and narrow road that leads to life. Do you know why? The straight road, you'll stay on it as long as you stick with the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Him. Stick with the truth. And you'll find that there will be no detours that will have the potential to take your life over and head you down the wrong track. Finally, my brothers and sisters, this today, when David came against Goliath, the Philistine, and maybe I can use this as a promo for the Grokos. <laughs> Amen. That your Goliath is going to fall. Amen. He said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear. I want to tell you, this is a, this is a young whippersnapper rooster. <laughs> Saul tried to put his heavy armor on him. He's walking around like this. He couldn't even say, I'll be back. Because he knew he'd never be back <laughs> trying to wear that sort of armor. My gosh. He said, I'm not used to this. This is what you've used to fight. I'm used to using my sling. And my stones. And you guys are paralysed by this guy. Did you realise this guy called Goliath? He's cursing the name of our God. He's blaspheming in front of the... And none of you guys are going to do anything about it. Well, I'm going to him in the name of the Lord of hosts. You come to me with sword. You come to me with shield. You come to me with a spear. But I come to you, Goliath, in the name of the Lord of hosts, God Almighty today. Woo! So friends, it's not just enough to come with the name. It's time to come in the name. You've got to climb inside that tower of power. You've got to get inside Christ. Let Christ get in you and allow the resurrection power of Jesus to change the course of history in your life. Are you up for it? Praise God. Praise God. I want to speak life over your circumstances today. I want to speak the power of that name over you today. Let's be like the children of Israel when God says at the end, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See, friends, so often we're running around chasing our tails because we're trying to make it happen. Guilty. Guilty. Sometimes we can see things running in the wrong direction. And we're, we're chasing our tails. We're exhausting ourselves. We're trying every trick in the book. We're ab abracadabbering everything, looking for that piece of magic. God says, stand still, James. 
We, we, I was talking to someone at the wedding yesterday and we're talking about Fiji and how's God going to provide for this wonderful vision that we've got because we're planning a church there. We've already got a church there. It's operating now. In fact, they're meeting right now. As we meet, they're meeting. Praise God. They have a prayer meeting like us. They have a Sunday morning service like us. But we're going to be going public with that church in, in August this year. We've got a mission trip coming up for those of you who are interested in casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching the gospel to the poor. We're coming up in May. I want you to get on that trip. Little promo there for you. <laughs> Amen. If you've never been on a mission trip before, if you've been in your shoes, it's time to go again. Come with us in May and see what the Lord. But someone and I were talking about it. And you know what? I just remind myself, stand still, James, and see the salvation of the Lord. Watch and see what I can do in your circumstances today. You know, Moses lifted up his wooden staff. God said, lift up the staff. A very simple piece of a tree. There was no magic power in the staff. This isn't Lord of the Rings, friends. <laughs> this is just a piece of simple obedience. Lift up your staff over the sea. And as he did so, amazing miracle took place. And a wind came and literally parted the waters. You know, some people say, oh, did you know that where they crossed in the Red Sea? You know, it's only knee deep. You know, it, it's only knee deep. That, that wouldn't be a hard miracle to do. Yeah, but what's an even greater miracle if it's only knee deep? He drowned the whole Egyptian army in knee deep water. Isn't that incredible? Praise God. As Moses lifted up that staff, a miracle took place. When Jesus was lifted up on a piece of wood at the cross, the greatest miracle of history happened that will set your life free. Let's stand to our feet right now.